I really hope you guys have been enjoying uh, September. We've had a pretty cool month uh, for those who have been here the last few weeks. So the first week we had uh, Justin Coulson, and so he was speaking on parenting, uh, which is really cool. Uh, hopefully none of you guys are smacking your kids now. Awkward, awkward pause there and move on. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But it was good. Uh, it was great having Justin here. And then the second week uh, we had uh, Dan Leanne, and he was really good. Hands up if you're here for Dan Leanne. Here, yeah, most of us. Uh, he was. It was really challenging, uh, and he spoke uh, from Mark chapter five and Mark chapter six, and uh, he spoke on, uh, I guess, really putting the challenge out to us and saying, "What kind of atmosphere are we going to be?" Uh, and he spoke about how, in Mark chapter six, there's that verse where it says that Jesus couldn't perform miracles, uh, which is crazy. Uh, and he spoke about that as probably one of the uh, you know, most profound scriptures that Jesus couldn't. You know, Jesus, who is God in flesh, actually couldn't do miracles because of people's hearts in that place. And so he kind of put the challenge out to us. And, you know, I was thinking about that. You know, if there was going to be a text that was written about us, you know, later on in the future, if they were to write something about us and our community, would they say that we were a space where Jesus could do miracles or a space where Jesus couldn't. And I think that's such a challenging thing. And then we had Josiah last week uh, speaking about, about Elisha and how Elisha received the mantle from Elijah and then he, he uh, decided that he would be someone who would pursue the greater call, the greater thing that God had uh, for his life. And so he spoke about uh, how Elisha burns the plows and, and that signifies him... Uh, basically burning plan B and saying, I'm not just going to be one foot in for God uh, and, and one foot just for myself or one foot in the world, but, but how Elisha said, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I think that if we're going to be people who really pursue the greater call, then we've got to at some point make that decision, I'm all in. I'm all in. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 17 this morning. Matthew chapter 17, we're going to go from verse 14. Sammy's excited, always is, love it. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. We're going to read this out. It says that when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Why don't we pray? Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it brings light where there is darkness. It brings truth where there is bondage and where we believe stuff that just isn't right.
Father, I just thank you that you want to do a great thing this morning. And I just pray that we wouldn't leave here the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a pretty full-on story uh, about this guy. And, you know, I was reading it and I was thinking, I wonder what it would have been like to be this dad. It would be full-on to, to have been this dad. And the book of Mark and the book of Luke, they also give other accounts of this same story which reveal that this man's son was tormented by a demon from his childhood. And so this spirit would seize his body and it would either throw him into water or fire. It was trying to kill him. And in, in Luke's account, the dad says, a spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. Pretty full on. Pretty full on for this dad. You know, he was, he was aware that there was a spirit that would come on his boy. And he says to Jesus that, in Luke's account, he says that this spirit scarcely ever leaves him and it's destroying him. This dad was watching his son get destroyed and he couldn't do anything about it. And so he's desperate. And so he comes to the disciples and he, in one of the translations or one of the other accounts, it says that he begs them. This father is desperate, so he brings his boy and he begs the disciples to heal them, but they can't heal him. And you know, there'll be times in our life where we need Jesus, where we need to just come and cry out. And this dad was desperate. He was seeing his little boy being destroyed by this thing. And, you know, the response of Jesus is so fascinating to me because I don't know if Jesus is more concerned about the boy that's possessed by the Spirit or whether Jesus is more concerned at the lack of faith of the disciples. Look at, the, look at this response, you know, that here's this dad. He brings his son and he explains, I went to the disciples. They couldn't heal him. And then he comes to Jesus and, and Jesus responds and says, Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? So here's this desperate dad, but it's almost like Jesus' response is more at the fact that the disciples couldn't heal him. He's more frustrated at that than he has, is at the demon because for Jesus, for our God, nothing's too hard for him. So he's not too phased by the demon in the boy. He's more phased by the fact that his disciples, his believers, don't have the faith required to see this boy free. And, you know, sometimes we look at our world and, 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 and we have a perspective on it. But maybe God isn't so much worried about the world. He's more looking at the disciples going, come on, guys, you can do this. And so the disciples come to Jesus in private and they say, why couldn't we drive it out? They ask him this question. And Jesus replies in verse 20, because you have so little faith. Because you have so little faith. In the New Living Translation, it says that Jesus responds by saying, because you don't have enough faith. Because you don't have enough faith. And you know, I think as Christians, it actually takes us a while on our journey to realize that we don't have enough faith to move mountains. 
that we ourselves actually don't have enough faith when it comes to the crossroads, when it comes to the, the things that life or death or, or sickness, these, these bigger moments, it takes us a while to realize maybe I don't have enough faith. And Jesus says it plainly to them because you don't have enough faith. And the inference of Jesus' statement he is really fascinating because he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and it will be moved. Now Mark's holding a little mustard seed for me. I had to get him to hold it because it was too heavy for me. No, because it's so small. I got this from good old Safeway. And oh, don't run away from me. That is, oh, it's gone. Here we go. I can't even hold it. It's so small. This is a mustard seed. Can, you're not even going to be able to see it, but it's there. It's, it's gone. It's gone again. But basically what Jesus was saying was that he was saying to the disciples, you don't even have that amount of faith. I mean, that's encouraging, isn't it? When, like, you're trying. It's not like the disciples weren't trying to heal this guy. How are we going? We're still, there we go. It's not like they weren't trying, but you can imagine that. I mean, it, it's pretty much Jesus having a crack at these guys. He's saying, you don't even have this amount of faith. You don't even have a mustard seed of faith. But the way that Jesus responds to them, the inference of the statement is that, that, that their faith, it doesn't even equate to that little amount of faith. And so what Jesus is saying is that this mustard seed, which was the tiniest of all seeds in the Middle East, that, that what he's actually saying to them is the faith required to do great works is actually quite small. He says you only need a mustard seed of faith and you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be moved. So he's saying your faith doesn't equal a mustard seed of faith. Because if you had a mustard seed of faith, you could speak to situations and see them change. You know, the more that I looked at this, what I realized that Jesus was saying was, because these guys, they had faith. They were trying. They were trying to cast this thing out. But what Jesus was, and when you read in the Amplified, it reads like this. Jesus says, if you have living faith, as small as a mustard seed, then nothing will be impossible for you. And what I realized was that what Jesus was trying to say to the disciples was that it's not about you trying to create your own faith in your own strength, but if you would just have living faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. But the key is living faith. And so I want to ask you, is your faith living? Because if our faith is living and it's only as big as a mustard seed, Jesus says nothing will be impossible for you. You see, these guys in their own strength, I can just imagine the scene where the, the father had brought his son to the disciples and he said, can you, get, can you heal my boy? Can you heal my boy? And so the disciples gather around and I can just imagine they start to lay hands on him and it's not working. So they're trying to work up their faith and, and they start trying to cast this thing out in Jesus' name and, and it's not working. And so 
You know, they, they, they say, bring the boy here, and, and they try and push him over, and he falls on the... That, that doesn't work. No, they're trying everything that they can in their own strength, and it's not working. I, I can see Peter just kind of pushing them all out of the way and saying, you know, no, you've got to spit on the ground, guys. That's how we do it. That's how Jesus does it. I see, I see Peter just yeah, hocking up a gooby, spinning on the ground. This guy's got mud on his eyes now. It's just messy and nothing is working in their own strength. And so this scene is unfolding. And, you know, for these guys, I think we're kind of like them, that when, when you try and, and you believe in faith for something to happen and then it doesn't happen, what can, what can then happen is we can just fall into this state of unbelief or doubting because we tried and it, it didn't happen. And here Jesus is saying, if you have living faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. Do we have living faith? Are we living off what God did back in the day or what God said back then or do we have living faith today? And so I want to ask the question, how do we have this living faith? Because, you know, it's probably not a question we're asking a lot of the time or maybe even sitting there you probably don't even think it is a significant question to ask. How do we get living faith? But for this dad, living faith was the difference between his son being tormented for the rest of his life or his son being healed. And so for him, living faith meant everything. You know, when I look around at our world and I see the need for the healing touch of God, I don't want to be that group of disciples that really just couldn't heal the boy. When I look around and I see the circumstances, you know, and it's so easy to get overwhelmed. You know, we had um, a few couples, a couple of uh, these guys over Friday night and we were chatting about, even in high schools now, it seems crazy what, what little kids are coming up with and, and just what little kids are exposed to now. And we look around in our world and we, we see like the world stealing the innocence of children or we look around and we see you know, addiction or sickness or relationship breakdown. And, you know, as the church, it would be really easy to throw our hands up in the air and just go, well, what can we do? What can we do about it? Let's just sing our songs and try and live good, moral Christian lives. Let's try and be the best people we can. But when it comes to a world around us that is really broken, what will we do? Living faith, Jesus said. If you have living faith, nothing will be impossible for you. You know, sometimes when I think about, you know, situations where, you know, we talk about, say, young people growing up in school and what they're exposed to. You know, I think it's easy to all of a sudden live on the back foot where we have this mentality, well, hopefully they'll make it through. You know, but... I think when we get living faith in our spirit, then all of a sudden we start to realize that our God has already overcome the world. And our God is the God who says that we are overcomers. You know, when I was in high school uh, back in the day, year 10 to 12, that was like when I was on fire for God. Like God touched my life and I started 
preaching in my high school. I put this little uh, ad in the bulletin every week. And, you know, just real corny stuff like, well, the real Jesus, please stand up. You know, like because Slim Shady was, was, was hot back in the day. And so I would just, you know, put this stuff in there. And, and, and I, just, I just was on fire. And I didn't care what people th- thought of me. I remember being in assembly. And um, I got to sit on the stage. I think I told you this before. I was, I was a vice captain of the school. I'll just put that in there. Um, so I was sitting on the stage. And um, at the end of assemblies, I would uh, kind of just do my own announcement and there'd be all these like year 10 to 12 kids sitting out there and then some in the balcony. And I would talk about my Christian group and I would invite people to it. And I'd have people from the balcony yelling, like cursing at me. I was like, shut up, man. No, I didn't say that. I was Christian. Um, but, um, you know, like people were bagging me and I was just like telling people, you know, come along and just explaining who God was to me and... You know, I look back at those years and, you know, typically people will say those are the years where, you know, kids should fall away from God. But for me, those were pivotal years where I decided I was going to stand up for my faith. And, you know, I'm the kind of person that doesn't just believe in a God who thinks that we should just make it through. I believe that our God is the God who wants to see us transform culture. And set culture. And so what I'm believing for, even though it seems like really small beginnings, you know, the Bible says don't despise the day of small beginnings. And I, I, I refuse to despise what God is doing here in this place, even though sometimes it feels like a small beginning. Like I don't, we don't really have a youth group. It's only just starting at the moment. But I'm not going to despise the day of small beginnings. And I'm I'm not going to believe that even for Kelsey, that she's just going to make it through. What I'm believing for is for a youth group and for young people to rise up who are full of the power of God and the fire of God and who are going to make a difference in their high school. That's what I'm believing for. You know, sometimes we're so far removed from the power of God that we're just living on the defensive. And we go into survival mode. You know, a few weeks ago, we were just, um, I think it was just me and Kelsey, we were just um, listening to worship. And I had her in just, um, I think it was her bedroom, and and we were just listening to worship, and I was holding her. And I just felt God saying to decree over her, to, to speak over her, that she would grow up in revival. And, you know, sometimes we just need to speak things out. Sometimes we just need to declare things this is what it means to have living faith, where you speak things that are, that are not as though they are. And so if living faith as small as a mustard seed was what would see a tormented son get healed, and if living faith is what will see us become the people God has created us to be, how do we have living faith? You see, I believe Jesus used the illustration of a mustard seed for a reason. Because for those guys, they knew that a mustard seed was a living seed, but it was just the beginning. The seed was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. And if, they would, if a seed would be planted in soil, then it could grow into its full potential. And so Jesus talks about a seed for a reason because it's living. And the disciples would have understood that for that seed to be all it's going to be, it must be planted. 
And if we're going to be people that have living faith, we must know how to plant our faith in God. You see, the disciples couldn't heal him because they didn't have living faith. And our faith in and of ourselves will not move mountains. What we need to do is learn to plant our faith in God. And as we do, God will deposit his faith in us. Every time I come here on a Sunday morning, I'm not thinking about my uh, weak, insignificant faith. But what I do is I, I, I throw my faith I, I plant my faith in God, and as I do, I, I, I start to receive a, a, a divine exchange where I start to feel Him deposit His faith into me. And every time you plant your faith in God, so you say, God, I'm putting my faith in you. Today I'm going to open up the Bible because I'm putting my faith in you. Today I'm going to listen to worship or I'm going to... I'm going to choose to pray because I'm putting my faith in you. Every time you do that, God will deposit his faith in you. And it's his faith that moves mountains. His faith on the inside of you. You know, the disciples, they were just trying to reproduce something. They were trying to reproduce something that Jesus saw. But you can't do that. That's not living faith. God gives us living faith in the moment. Let me finish with this passage, and then I want to open up the altar and and pray for people. But Mark 11, in verse 20, it says that in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Have faith in God. In God. Put your faith in Him. Plant your faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does, does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. It will be done for him. When we put our faith in God, then all of a sudden this divine exchange happens where, where all of a sudden you start to speak to your circumstances, but it's, it starts when you put your faith in God and God deposits his faith in you and then all of a sudden you can speak to situations, you can speak to mountains. You see, faith isn't just something that we carry around in our head. It's not just a set of beliefs. But, but as we put our faith in God, he deposits his supernatural faith in us. And you can speak to the mountains in your world. I wonder what mountains are in your world right now that need to be moved. And you can keep saying, God, move them, God, move them. But he is wanting you to put your faith in him so that he can deposit his faith in you so that you can speak to those things. He wants you to speak to the mountain. He wanted the disciples to be able to heal that son that was tormented, but they needed to learn how to exchange their faith for God's faith so that they could then speak to the situations that seemed immovable. God wants to deposit his faith in us. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? You know, Romans 10 verse 9 says that faith 
We believe with our heart and confess with our mouth and we are saved. You see, the very nature of faith is that it will begin in your heart, but it will be expressed in your, in your mouth. You see, Jesus says that if you want to be saved, you don't just believe it in your heart, you speak it out with your mouth. You believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth. And that's the beginning of salvation. If anyone's given their life to God before, it started when you believed something in your heart, but then you spoke it out. You said, Jesus, I need you. Because really out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. And I feel like for some people, you've given your heart to God before, but God is wanting to loosen your tongue so that you will start to speak again. You see, faith comes alive when it's not just something on the inside of us. It comes alive when it comes out of us. When God can deposit in and then we let it out. And it's not just me in my own strength just speaking out something that I really want to happen. The disciples wanted to see this guy get healed, but they, they were operating in their own strength. But when you just say, God, you know what? I can't do this. And so I'm giving my faith to you. And as you give God your weak, insignificant faith, He deposits His faith into you. And when you feel that faith start to fill you, Hebrews 11 says, faith is a substance. When you feel the substance of heaven start to fill you, you become a bigger person on the inside. All of a sudden you realise that if God is for me, who can be against me? My God is bigger than anything that could try and take me out. And you can feel the substance of the faith of God. You start to feel what heaven feels. You start to see what heaven sees. You start to realise that, that, that God, He is big and He has defeated the enemy. Maybe some of you, when you drop your kids at school, you need to let God fill you with faith and you need to see the army of heaven over that school and you need to declare revival in that place. God is calling us to a higher level to see to not just bow to the world and to our culture. He wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we may be able to test the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. Revival starts in you and it starts in me. It doesn't start in that person over there or it doesn't start in when the church does it like this or when we do this right, then revival will come. No, revival starts in you and in me when we surrender our life and say, God, I'm giving you my weak, insignificant faith. God, give me your faith. Give me your faith for my family. Give me your faith for my relationships. Give me your faith for the call of God on my life. Give me your faith for this, for this life that you put me, this planet, you put me here for a reason. God, I need your faith. I need to see like you see, like heaven sees. If you're here right now and you just, 
you feel God stirring you, I just want you to come up the front. I want people to stand in line. I want to pray for you. Right now, I just want you to come so I can lay hands on you. God wants to deposit His faith in you. Just come. Just come. Be bold. Because I feel like this is a moment where we choose to stand, not just for ourselves, but we choose to stand for the future generations. Jesus, don't pass us by. Jesus, if you are who you say you are, then we will reach out to touch you. If you can do what the Bible says you can do, then we will stretch. God, we need your touch. We need it, God. need to come out the front, come out the front, Jesus, fill your people, God, fill your people, God, with your fire, God, Jesus, fill them with this love that surpasses all knowledge, Lord God, Jesus, 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 thank you, God, I don't want to play church, I don't want to play church, Lord God, I want the fire of God to be in this place that every knee would bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And Jesus, Jesus, we declare the name of Jesus over this city, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We declare revival. Thank you, Father. Jesus, Jesus. I'm praying, God, that you would begin to loosen people's tongues right here in this place, God that faith would begin to rise again. Faith in the home. Faith where it matters. Thank you that you care, God. Thank you that you care. Come right now with your fire. Just lift your hands to heaven. The fire of God. 